good morning. I'm going to invite you to please stand and let's join together in singing.
Amen. Well, you guys can sit down for a second. <laughs> give, you, give you a little bit of a break. Uh, we are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. We want to extend a special welcome to all of our visitors who are um, here with us this morning. Thank you uh, for choosing to join us and worship with us this morning. Just got a couple of quick announcements for you. I hope you grabbed a bulletin on your way in. Got a, a lot of information in there for you. Um, two that I want to bring your attention to primarily. And number one, um, this is the last Sunday that we are taking up our missions offering um, for our Baptists on missions. And I believe we've got some folks of ours who are already out on mission right now, um, serving in other places um, in the United States and even in uh, North Carolina. Um, so please uh, consider praying about continuing to give to that offering um, to help support our missionaries and those who are helping others um, who are in times of need. One last one I really want to bring your attention to is that now we are only eight weeks away from our VIP Sunday on Sunday, November the 19th. We still have more of our um, VIP invite cards down here um, at the front if you would still like to grab some and invite people to bring um, to church on that Sunday, November the 19th. And I would um, like to kind of follow with Pastor Tommy and share with you that Alex will be my VIP on Sunday the 19th. And I'm so excited um, to have him to be able to come to church and worship with me and to hear the Word of God on that Sunday. So please continue to um, invite people to your VIP Sunday on November the 19th. And once you get that yes, once you get that, that secure spot for that VIP, uh, make sure to fill out this card down here um, so that way our ladies can pray over it. And as you've seen this morning, we've already got some on the sign out front. Um, so uh, please continue to work on um, bringing in your VIPs on the 19th. And I believe you've got one announcement. Just want to remind you, if you are willing to pray for the team and the young men that we will be ministering to at Cabarrus Youth Development Center in two weeks uh, through Epiphany Ministries, they are out in the vestibule on the big round table. If you will just put your name, your first name, and your first initial, and you will be part of our prayer chain. Um, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, see me afterward, and I'll be happy to tell you. Um, I just want to tell you that every time we have taken a section of chain from First Baptist Locust, we have been so proud of how many links that we bring to that big chain. So I hope that we can do it again. And if you feel led to give us a financial gift, uh, $5 buys a meal for that day, $10 will buy a Bible that we will give to one of the inmates. But if you have any other questions, just see me. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you again for being here with us this morning. Let's pray together as we continue in our worship together. Uh, Lord, we are so humbled. We are so honored, so grateful for this opportunity to gather together as your people, to gather in your name, to worship you. Lord, there are some of us here today who have had the best of weeks, and in that we rejoice with them. There are those among us who have had to suffer hardship, who have gone through valleys and, and experienced dark times this week with those we mourn. But Lord, above all, whether on the mountain or in the darkest valley, we continue to acknowledge that you are still our God and you are still so good to us. You have brought us even here right now in your goodness. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We rest in the kindness of your grace. And so, Lord, in the abundance of our hearts, we just want to continue every moment, even right now, to praise your name because you are so worthy and deserving of it all. 
Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you have done. We just pray that in every word that is said, with every song that is sung, every thought that crosses our mind, that we exalt your name, that we magnify your glory as only you are worthy. Be honored, be pleased, and have your way with us in this time as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we continue to worship through song today.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us, dear Lord. Now we come to the time we give uh, just a small portion back to you, dear Lord, and bless it to your kingdom. Dear Lord, just be with uh, Brandon as he brings us a message this morning. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. through 
Thank you for your singing. I invite you to be seated. have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians with me, Ephesians chapter number 3, Ephesians chapter number 3, and we will start in verse number 14 this morning. Just by way of introduction, as we are continuing In our greater series this morning that we began a couple of weeks ago, the whole idea and the whole premise behind this series is that the God that we serve and the tasks that lie before us are not just merely good tasks, and He's not just a merely good God, but He is the greater God. And we have been given a greater task by this God. And so this is where we are as we continue in our series. The task set before me this morning is to talk about the greater church. The greater church. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse number 14. The Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord, we come and proclaim with the psalmist, That just as the deer pants for water, right now, Lord, our souls thirst for you. We come expectant to hear the voice of the living God. We have come to be refreshed, replenished, but Lord, we've also come to be corrected in those areas where we need correction. We've come to be confronted with the truth that sometimes we may not enjoy hearing. So, Lord, we give this time to you, the one who knows every heart and every soul and every mind. Lord, you can only do in this place what needs to be done. So move within each person as you would see fit. Change hearts, transform minds. 
have your perfect will be accomplished. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul planted the church at Ephesus on his third missionary journey. And now, as we are looking at the letter of Ephesians, he is writing this letter back to this church that he has planted, and he's writing this while he is imprisoned in Rome during his first Roman imprisonment. This is one of the four prison epistles that we have of the Apostle Paul. Now, the letter of Ephesians, if you've read it or are familiar with it, is a very symmetrical in nature. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians hold the doctrine that is taught by the Apostle Paul, holds the truth that he is writing to this church, while chapters 4 through 6 talking about the doctrine just previously presented, but now applying it to the everyday life of the Ephesians who are receiving this letter. This prayer that we read together, the end of chapter 3, is kind of the bridge between these two sections of the book of Ephesians, connecting the doctrine Paul is teaching to the application he is about to present. Paul writes to this church primarily concerning the truth of what it means to be the church. That's his whole premise in this letter. What does it mean to be the church? Now, whenever you see the word church in your Bible, the Greek term church that we have come to get our English translation is ecclesia. Ecclesia, which means the called out ones. That's what it means, the called out ones. Now, when you look at any of the epistles within the New Testament, and you see, especially in Paul's writings, when they address their letter to the individuals receiving it, they do not address it to the church at Ephesus. It is not addressed to the church at this location, it is referred to as the body of Christ, to the saints and the believers. Now that's very interesting for us, because when we think of church, we think of this, where we all are together within the confines of this building. However, to the New Testament apostles and the New Testament believers, the church was worldwide, the church was global. It is the called out ones. To be a called out one is to be a part of the church. Now this definition, the called out ones, really has a twofold meaning here. Number one, we are called out to salvation in Christ. When we were in the realm of darkness and under the dominion of Satan, Christ called us out of darkness into light and into His family, into His kingdom. We are called out to salvation in Christ. However, we are also, in that same respect, called out to share the gospel of Christ. We are called and commissioned to share the gospel of Christ. That's what it means to be the church. 
to be called out by God to serve God. Now for Paul, to be the church, if we want to continue using this terminology, for Paul, to be the church is to be a part of the greater church. There's a distinction. To be the church, to be the body of Christ, is to be a part of the greater church. Now, what is this greater church that we're talking about? Well, simply put, the greater church is the people of God as the unified body of Christ living for His glory. That's what the greater church is. The people of God as the unified body of Christ living for His glory. We are not living for ourselves. We are living for the one who we are a part of. We are a part of His body. We are a part of His family and His kingdom. And as such, being unified together by the gospel that has saved us, we live together for His glory. That's what it means to be the greater church. It's not a building. It's not localized communities. It is the whole body of Christ worldwide, globally, coming together unified in the gospel to live for the glory of God. Now, in this prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, I believe we can take from this prayer four qualities of this greater church that we can see even in our time today. The first quality that Paul mentions is that the greater church relies on divine strength. It relies on divine strength. Now, as Paul is praying for this church, he asks God to strengthen them with his spirit. Now, let's think about this for a moment. If this church that was planted and founded by the Apostle Paul himself, arguably the greatest Christian to ever face this planet, founded by the Apostle Paul himself, if Paul is asking God to strengthen that church, then how much more do we need God's strength today? If Paul is saying, look, I know your background. I founded you guys. I began the good work that is going on at Ephesus and you still need strength. If Paul is saying that to these people, how much more do we need his strength today? You see, Satan wants us to think that that we can be the church on our own. He wants us to have the mindset that we can do it ourselves, especially in this time and age of empowerment. He wants us to think that we have the power ourselves to be the church, to do this work that we are called to do, and to be the church that God wants us to be. However, to be that church, to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to remember we cannot do it apart from Him. We have no strength and power in and of ourselves. It is all through Him and His Spirit. Which is why as Jesus, as He is talking to His disciples, He says in John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in Me and I am Him, He bears much fruit, for apart from Me you can do nothing. 
Jesus had to even tell his disciples, the, the men who lived with Christ and ate with Christ and did ministry with Christ. He even had to remind them, you can't do it on your own. You need my strength. You need my power. Apart from him, we can't do anything. Now, does that mean that we cannot share the gospel? We cannot serve? We cannot do our actions? No. But what Jesus is saying is that apart from him, any work that we do has no spiritual benefit, no spiritual value, because we are doing it in ourselves and for ourselves. But when we do it in Christ, when we rely on his strength and rely on his power, then everything that is done is beneficial for His kingdom and for His glory and for the lost to hear the gospel. We must rely on His strength. Now, Paul, as he's praying in this, he's, he asked God to strengthen this church in the inner man. In the inner man. This is because, and we have to remember, the greater church is not confined by walls. Paul is not praying for the strength of God through the city of Ephesus. He's praying for the strength of God through the inner man. Through the inside working of the people of God. The church does not consist of walls. It consists of people. And so the strength that we need does not need to be strength inside a building or inside a community. It needs to be within the people of God. We have to rely on divine strength in the inner man. And this is because, as the Apostle John writes in uh, 1 John, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's why we have to rely on this divine strength. Because if we are relying on any of ourselves or anything or any one other than Christ, we are relying on the one in the world. But the one who is in us is greater. So we must rely on His strength. He is the greater one. He is the all-powerful. So we must rely on His strength in order to be the greater church. Paul continues and tells us that the greater church also rests in the divine Son. They rest in the divine Son. And Paul prays at the beginning of verse 17 that Christ would dwell within the hearts of the Ephesians. Now, to have Christ dwell with us is so much more than just simply inviting him in. To have Christ dwell with you is more than just inviting him in. It's a whole lot more than just simply asking Jesus either into your heart or into a building or into a community. It's so much more. To have Christ dwell with you is to allow Him to make His home there. Let me say that again. To have Christ dwell with you is to allow Him to make His home with you. In other words, it is saying, Christ, Lord, you live here. I want you to live here. Not just simply come and go, 
or simply extend an invitation, but say, there is a permanent place here for you. That's what it means to have Christ dwell with you. Now, in that sense, this is why repentance in the Christian life and the Christian faith is non-negotiable. Because Christ cannot be in the presence of sin. So, if you are truly asking Christ to dwell within you, then all indwelling sin must go. Any indwelling sin prevents Christ from dwelling with you. But Paul is praying that Christ would dwell within the church. The believer who who lives in faithful obedience to the will of God understands all of this. Jesus, again, talking to his disciples, John chapter 14. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And listen to this last part. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Jesus is telling his disciples, when you see that Christian and when you are that Christian who is living in faithful obedience to me and you are submitting yourselves to my will and to my kingdom. Not only will you have the love of God within you, but we are living with you. We live with you. It's more than just being able to have a time with Him. But it is at every moment of every day living with Christ. He dwells with you. And this same principle here applies to the church. Because when the whole body of Christ, and that's the key, it has to be the whole body of Christ. It cannot be a few of them. It cannot be some of them. It cannot be most of them. It has to be the whole body of Christ. When the whole body allows Him to live with them, to make His home there, as they are faithfully obedient to His will, not only are they in Christ, but Christ is in them. Have you ever been to those churches where you walk into the door as a simple visitor and you can tell that Christ has made His dwelling place there because they're dwelling in Christ? That is the greater church. They rest in the divine Son. They dwell in Christ as Christ dwells within them. It is a sweet spirit. It is a sweet comfort to have Christ dwell with you. Thirdly, Paul prays that they remember the divine sacrifice. That they remember the divine sacrifice. Just as the the church here at Ephesus, every true church is founded upon the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every true church has its foundation, has its roots 
in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is exhorting this church and even now us today to always return to our understanding of the gospel. We cannot leave the truth of the gospel. We are rooted and grounded in love. And now Paul's statement within saying this, it's more than just simply reflecting upon what Christ has done for you. It's more than just a simple thinking of the cross and the resurrection. It's more than just having a mere moment of just thinking of the gospel itself. This is a continuously deep understanding of the extent of God's love for you in Christ. It's more than just saying, yes, I believe in the cross. Yes, I like thinking about what Christ has done for me. Yes, I enjoy taking the bread and the juice at communion. I enjoy hearing the gospel preached. It is a deep understanding continuously of just how much God loves you in Christ. That's what Paul's exhortation here is, as he tells us to remember this divine sacrifice. Now, Paul describes this love, this gospel, in four different dimensions that we see here in verse number 18. And I want to take a moment to just talk about each of these dimensions. First, Paul talks about the breadth, the breadth of God's love. And in talking of the breadth of God's love, what Paul is saying is that there is no one too good or too bad for God to save. There is no one outside the reach of God's love. There is no one too far gone that he cannot reach. There is no one too close that he cannot grab either. The breadth of God's love extends to all people. And for this, in the biblical times, Paul is saying that this gospel has not only been to the Jews, but now it is reaching to the whole world and extending to the Gentiles also. Think of the breadth of God's love as it has now been extended to you and I in this very present time. Think of how, how much breadth this love has that we can proclaim as unified believers that we are saved by grace because of the breadth of God's love. He reached out to the very depths and grabbed us and brought us into His family. There is no one too far gone. It extends to all people of all time. And then Paul talks about the length. The length of God's love. In talking about the length of God's love, it began in eternity past. It began before Genesis 1.1. It began before anything ever was, when there was only God. And in eternity past, God knew you personally by name. He knew every detail about you. He knew that you would be here at this very moment. He knew every hair that would be on your head. He knew every family member you would have. He knew every word you would say. And in eternity past, God knowing you, before you had even been a thought on this planet, chose to love you for Himself. But this length of love does not just reach to eternity past, but believer, it reaches to eternity future. Because this love is an eternal love. This love that God has for you lasts until time is no more. 
This love that God has for you extends until time ceases to be. There is no end to God's love for you, believer. We have to take heart in that. We have to remember that. Too many people today want to continue to tell people there is a time where God just stops loving you. And I am here to tell you, according to this passage, there is not a time where God stops loving His people. His love lasts eternally. It's an eternal, forever love. Paul talks about the height of love. This height that reaches up into the glories of heaven itself. This height that has no end. This height that reaches where the glorious spiritual blessings of Christ lie. This height where we have glorified bodies. This height where we experience the glory of God and the internal fullness of who He is. This height where we get to worship at His throne. This height where we get to sing with the angels. This height where we can be in His presence for all eternity. The height of heaven. Paul lastly talks about the depth of love. This depth that we as believers can truly relate to. This depth when we at a time... We're at the lowest pit of hell. This depth where we were at the very lowest that life could ever bring us to. This depth where there was no hope for us. This depth where there was nothing but guilt, shame, and condemnation lying on our heads. This depth where God in His sovereign throne in heaven reached down into the pits of hell and grabbed you by the neck and brought you up to be with you. If there's anyone here who knows the wrong you have done, if there's anyone here who knows the consequences that you deserve, if there's anyone here who knows how much punishment falls on your head, you do. And to think that God knew all of it, reached to the lowest hell, and grabbed you to bring you to Himself. Oh, the depth of God's love. This is more than just remembering the gospel. This is more than just reflecting on the cross. This is more than just taking the bread and taking the juice. This is in every moment of every day saying, God, thank you for saving a wretched sinner like me. This is the remembrance of a lifetime. This is an every moment of every day reflecting upon what God has done for you out of the merits of His grace. Oh, that the church would remember the extent of God's love for them. We can never forget the Gospel. A young man by the name of Henry Morehouse, he preached at Pastor D.L. Moody's church, a giant in the faith, a major theologian. This young man preached at his church one time for an entire week. It was an unplanned revival. And every day that week, this young man preached on one verse of Scripture every night. John 3.16. And as he got up to preach on that final night, He said, and I quote, 
I've been trying to tell you how much God loves you. Suppose I could borrow Jacob's ladder and could climb that shining staircase until at last I stood on the sapphire pavements of the city of God. Suppose I were to seek out Gabriel, the herald angel, and were to say to him, Gabriel, you stand in the presence of God. Tell me, how much does God love the world? I know exactly what he would say. He would say, Henry Morehouse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's how much God loves the world. We can never, ever leave the truth of the gospel. The greater church remembers it day in and day out. The greater church reflects on it moment by moment. Because it is this gospel that has made us who we are. It is this gospel that has saved us from the punishment of sin. It is this gospel that has made us a child of God. And it is this same gospel that will persevere us to the end of time. It is this same gospel that will hold us through the through the fiery furnace. It is this gospel that will be the light to our lives in the world of darkness. It is this gospel that will cover us from any harm Satan can throw at us. And this is the same gospel that we will one day proclaim with one unified voice in the splendor of heaven before God's throne. When we see Christ face to face, when we see Him for who He is, we won't be singing the gospel of ourselves or the gospel of the world. We will be proclaiming before Him the same gospel that we proclaim right now. The gospel proclaimed in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. For by your blood you have purchased for yourself people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Worthy is the Lamb. It's the Gospel that we have to remember. Paul has prayed that this church would rely on divine strength, would rest in the divine Son, and remember the divine sacrifice. And lastly, Paul prays that this church would replenish in divine sufficiency. That it would replenish in divine sufficiency. This happens when we do rely on divine strength and rest in the divine Son and remember the divine sacrifice. Because when we do all this, Paul says at the end of verse 19 that we are filled up to all the fullness of God. Filled up to all the fullness of God. We begin to recognize that God is all that we ever want, and He is all that we will ever need. There is nothing more, nothing less that we need but Him. There is nothing more, nothing less that we want in this world but God. Now the key, however, to this fullness is the emptying of ourselves. 
Because the truth is, you can't be full of yourself and full of God at the same time. It can't even be a 50-50 kind of compromise. God, I'll, I'll be half full of myself and, and half full of you and come to a meet in the middle. It can't work like that. It can't even work as a 90-10 compromise either. It has to be a hundred to nothing. We have to either be filled of God or filled of us. And Paul is praying that we would be filled with God. Now, how do we become filled of God? How do we experience the fullness of God in our lives? Well, the key is to look to Jesus. The key is to look to Christ. And Paul explains this in the book of Philippians chapter 2, where he says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, notice this, but emptied himself. Emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So how do we become emptied of ourselves? We take the mind of Christ. We take the humility that He took when He left the splendor of heaven, when He left His rightful place as the divine Son of God and emptied Himself of all His divine glory, came to earth as the form of a man, as the form of a bondservant, humbled to the will of God. Being filled to the fullness of God is praying with Jesus, not my will, not what I want, but your will be done. That is what it is to be filled to the fullness of God. To be filled to the fullness of God is acknowledging that you belong to someone greater than yourself. You belong to someone greater than anyone or anything else. And so you submit yourself to the one who you belong to. Being filled to the fullness of God is being humbled and acknowledging His Lordship of your life. Being obedient to His will for your life. Praying, not my will, but yours be done. And when we do that, we begin to not only look for what we want. Because at that point, it's not what we want. It's what God wants. And what is it that God wants but for His glory to be proclaimed to all the nations? When we are filled to the fullness of God, we seek His will for His glory. That's what it is to be filled to the fullness of God. And the greater church has to be filled to that fullness. The greater church has to pray God, we don't want to seek what's best for FBC Locust. We don't want to seek what's best for this church. Don't get me wrong. On November the 19th, I would love for this room to be so filled to the capacity that we have to extend to other buildings of the campus and have the message live streamed to the other campuses that are here at this church. I would love to see that. 
But being filled to the fullness of God is praying, God, on that, on that day, we do not want to see what's best for FBC. We want to see what is best for your kingdom. We want to see the lost in our community see your glory. We want to see those who we know and we love hear the gospel. We want to see lost people come to faith in Christ. We want to see sinners brought home. We want to see prodigals come back. That is what the church prays to be filled to the fullness of God. We pray with people like Dr. Jose. God use him. To bring your church to the nations. God, use these people to bring your church global. Bring your people worldwide. Bring the gospel to the entire nations. That's what the church prays. To be filled to the fullness of God. We don't pray for our kingdom. We pray for His. And so we must be replenished in this divine sufficiency. We cannot be filled with our wills and our wants. We must be filled with His. Seeking out His glory. This is Paul's prayer for the greater church. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as Paul prayed this for this church in Ephesus... He also prayed this for you and I right now. For us as a part of the greater church. So today I ask you. Number one, are you a part of the greater church? I'm not asking are you a part of this church? Nor am I asking you are you a part of another church? I am asking you are you a part of God's church? Are you a part of the greater body? Are you a part of the people of God as the unified body of Christ. If not, well, today is the day to join in that membership. Today is the day to become a part of that church. How do you do that? Give your life to Him. You trust in this same Gospel that we have been talking about. This same Gospel that was extended to you long before you were even planning to come here today. You trust yourself to that gospel. That God has left the splendor of glory to come and rescue you from the punishment of sin you deserve. By committing your life to Him, you become a part of the church. And you become a part of a family bigger than you could ever imagine. You begin to develop brothers and sisters whom you may have never known before and now are there to be with you. Through all of your life. Are you a part of the greater church? Secondly. For those of you who are a part of the greater church. What are you doing for it? What are you doing for the greater church? Are you seeking out. What you can do by yourself. For yourself. Are you looking to see what can boost your pride. What can boost your name and your fame? Or are you seeking out God's will for His glory by trusting in Him? What are you individually doing for the greater church? You see, each of us have a role. Each of us have a part. 
So what are you doing? But I also ask this question corporately. To us as a local body of believers, what are we doing for the greater church? Yes, we have this big VIP Sunday. But what happens after that? Do we continue seeking the lost? Do we continue sharing the gospel? Do we continue extending the love of God to those around us? Or do we just limit it to one hour, one day? Church, what are we doing for the greater church? Just as each of us play a part, this local congregation plays a part as well. So what are we doing for the greater church? In just a moment, we will stand and sing again together. My prayer for this people, for this body, for myself included, that we would take up our responsibility as the greater church, as the people of God, as the unified body of Christ, to live for His glory. Let today be that day that we start. Let's start right now. This greater church, Jesus said, the gates of hell itself will not even begin to mess with it. Let's be the greater church right now. Let's pray. Lord, we just are so humbled to even begin to think of where you have brought us. To begin to even think of where you have taken us. You've taken us from being sinners, deserving of nothing but condemnation and punishment. And yet out of the mercies of your grace, you have brought us to be your people. You have called us to be your children. You have called us for yourself. Lord, it's a love none of us can imagine, none of us can begin to fathom. So Lord, I pray that we do not take this love lightly or in vain. Lord, as your people, encourage us and embolden us to share the gospel. To be your people and to live for your glory. Lord, you have called each of us to a task far greater than we ourselves could begin to think. You've called us for something far greater than even the mere being of ourselves. You've called us for a task of sharing your glory with a world so desperate in need of you. Help us to be the church. Forgive us where we have failed you in that regard. And help us right now, this moment, to be your people in a world that is looking for the people of God. Lord, if there's anyone here 
who has yet to become a part of your church. I pray that today is the day that they come to be a part of your church. I pray that your spirit continues to work in their hearts and draw them to your heart. Your heart of infinite love. I pray for these people, for this church, that we would take up our responsibility and we would begin to be the church that you have called us to be. And that in all things, above all else, you would be honored and glorified. That your gospel would reach to the nations. And that you would call your people home to yourself. Do your will in this place. And in this time is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we sing?
Thank you again for being here and worshiping with us this morning. Uh, don't forget, uh, the VIP invite cards are still down here at front. And if you've gotten your response card, uh, please just feel free to leave them right here um, on the altar table. Thank you again for being here. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Lord, we again are just so grateful for the mere thought of your glory. We are so thankful for the mere thought of your mercy, your grace, and your love towards us. So, Lord, help us to keep that love in our minds as we go this place. Keep your hand upon us. Guide us and lead us to where you would have us to go as we truly take up the task and responsibility and the call of being the church. God, I pray that your hand of blessing rests abundantly on each that is here. Keep us and lead us. We thank you and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.